Hey guys, welcome back to my solo road. My name is Sydney. I live in a van. This is my podcast. I am sitting in San Diego right now with the pups and uh, I'm thrilled to be somewhere that is warm and sandy and beachy and everyone here is so nice. If you've ever been to San Diego, you you already know like everyone here is so nice. You can walk down the beach. I go to Dog Beach probably three or four times a day just to run the dogs, um, especially Ella. Pearl would be fine just sitting in the van all day. But I go to Dog Beach several times a day. And every single time that we are there, I talk to multiple people. Like, they just approach you. Ella will kind of run up to them and they would just, like, come back over and they have a conversation. And yeah, you just kind of end up talking to random people all day long. And it's really, really satisfying. So, especially, like, today's topic and last week's topic, San Diego's a great place if you're just moving into a van or if you're traveling and you want to go somewhere that's really easy to meet people and make friends. San Diego is, like, number one in my book for that. So, certainly, it's if you're ever feeling lonely, go to San Diego. Speaking of last week's podcast, I just want to say thank you to everyone who listened and like to each person who sent me a message. I don't always like open it and respond because amongst the podcast messages, there's like random van questions and random, I don't know, people asking me to like share this dog that needs to get adopted and all of these random things. But I do read each one, whether it says that it has been read or not. I promise I have seen them all. And I was telling Lee the other day this, what I'm about to share with you. And he was like, you really need to talk about that because it's, I don't know, he thinks it's interesting. (laughs) So, you know, I could post something on Instagram and get, I don't know, you know, I'm sorry to talk numbers. I know a lot of you guys probably don't care about this stuff and I shouldn't either. But I mean, it's really hard as a person who's like trying to do Instagram and trying to do certain things to like not ever look at numbers. But I could post something really quick and meaningless and just kind of an update on our life and it could get 200 comments, right? And I just don't feel satisfied with like that post at all. But if I post something really meaningful and something that is, I don't know, holds like passion or just something in my heart and it only got like 12 comments, which it's pretty low, but like if it were to only get 12 comments, those comments are always so long and so in depth and like people who genuinely relate to me and they're like thanking me and stuff like that. And so it's like, it could be this polar opposite in terms of algorithm and Instagram and whatever, but as long as it's like so meaningful and there's like substance there, I feel so satisfied and I'm always like, hell yeah, like that that post crushed it. <laughs> and in fact, like the numbers could be totally off, but it just feels so good to, I don't want to say like have a community because, you know, the, the number itself doesn't really represent the amount of people that I like connect to because the, the amount of people that I connect to are first of all, you, the people who take their time out of the day to listen to the podcast, like I connect best with you because you know a part of me that not everyone who just follows me on Instagram knows. But to have like people around you that actually understand you and send you these like long messages of their social anxiety experiences 
you guys normalize it for me. And I know that me talking about it sometimes feels like I might be normalizing it to you. And if we can do that for each other, that is beautiful. But I just want you to know, by you sending me those messages, I feel like it's normalized as well. I'm just talking about it into a microphone alone. Like this is with so somebody with social anxiety, like they could do a podcast because I'm literally alone. But there is no difference between you and I. Like I didn't feel like it was normalized until last week's podcast until people were messaging me being like, holy shit, I feel the same way. And then I kind of realized, oh, yeah, there are people out there, you know, besides me and Katie, because I've talked in depth with Katie about all of these things, which I will get to because her and I have had a heck of a week. (laughs) We have both had a pretty challenging week up until the point I got to San Diego. I know I cannot complain because I'm somewhere that is warm and beautiful in winter, but my way here and everything in the process was pretty difficult to say the least. But before we dive into the entire topic of social anxiety and everything that it entails and my background with it and things that I have done, like legitimate actionable steps that I have taken to help me with it, I would love for you to go grab a drink, grab a glass of wine. I think we are all going to need it (laughs) for this one. So do yourself a favor and go grab that and I will be right back with mine. Okay, so I usually have notes or even like just bullet points or something to kind of go off of for the podcast every week. And this week I have nothing. I'm just going to kind of free talk and tell you my experience with social anxiety, how I found out I had it. And I don't know, just my background. And then, like I said, different ways that I have figured out. And uh, I I owe about 90% of the reason that I no longer like suffer from this thing as much as I used to, to Katie, because Katie is, um, I think, like three years older than me, and we are twins in life. If you listen to my podcast episode with her, then you already know. And if you haven't, you should. (laughs) Um, But uh, our lives parallel in very odd ways. And she has like three years worth of just experience. And like, I know it might not sound like that much, but when someone has dealt with the exact same things and the exact same emotions and feelings, she just is really good at giving me advice. And it's not ever just like, you know, advice that your friend gives you. It is like, it is exactly spot on what I needed to hear, what I needed, like what I needed her to say. And it always makes sense. Even if I don't like it, she always gives me unexpected advice. And I'm just sitting there speechless, like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. Like, that's exactly what I have to do. So I really do owe a lot of my progress and the way that I am now pretty much all to her. I really do. And to Lee, because Lee is like the opposite of me. He's always just kind of very chill and he like he's so mature in the way that he handles me and my anxiety that he uh he kind of counters it. And that also helps very much when you have a partner who settles you down a bit when you're winding up. And that is exactly what he does. So thank goodness I have those two people in my life. But I do want to start out with kind of just my background with it, even in like high school and middle school. I do believe that social anxiety or depression or anything in this realm, mental health wise, I do believe that it is a combination a lot of times from your nature and who you are genetically in combination with things that have happened to you 
and therefore have made you this way in like an amplified type of way, right? Like you might be predisposed to being kind of anxious and then things have happened to you where that has turned into social anxiety. And I kind of will explain that. So in high school, this is just a couple random examples. And for anybody listening who may not listen every week or maybe you don't relate to this on like a, like you have this type of thing, please just keep your mind open because I understand that sometimes if I tell a story, it might not make sense to you. You might be like, that's not a big deal at all. Why would you get anxious from that? And I'm telling you, I don't know either. <laughs> like it just is the way that I am. And I wish so badly that it wasn't. So I understand that sometimes it might sound a little crazy or it might sound like not a big deal. But for me in these moments, it was a big deal. And there are other people I now know that <laughs> relate to that. So I'm just to anybody who may not relate to this on like a personal level, just understand that we don't really get it either. And I don't know why I'm this way either. But anyways, so in high school, this was probably one of the worst things I feel like that happened that kind of made me this way. My high school was huge. I had about 4,000 kids in the whole school. I think there was like 12 to 1400 in my graduating class, which is pretty big for the Midwest. So there was this big area in the middle of the high school that was called the commons. And in high school, that was like the cool place to go at the beginning and the end of the day. So before school started, you'd get there like 20 or 30 minutes early and everybody would just hang out in the commons. And you just sit on benches and like eat your breakfast or drink coffee or whatever, finish your homework. And so I was in the commons one day and I was already in this position where I was a freshman dating a junior and he was a complete asshole, just like terrible person. So his friends and him were like in this circle. And by the way, if you think that was harsh, I would, I could have an entire podcast on this person. <laughs> it is not harsh. It is actually being quite nice. Him and his friends were all in like a circle and hanging out. And so I went over to talk to them and say good morning to my boyfriend. And he made this gesture, like I'm facing him and he makes this gesture that like pulling down and I didn't really understand what it was. I was just kind of like, what are you doing? And before I knew it, Within like a second of him doing that, I had worn sweatpants <laughs> to school that day. And it is to this day, the only time I have ever in my life worn sweatpants in public. And they just go flying down to the ground around my ankles. And I know some people might have gotten pantsed in high school and it wasn't that big of a deal. But to little old freshman me in front of like this group of people that I was trying so hard to impress at the time, I'm now standing in front of probably 200 to 300 people with my pants around my ankles and a black pair of underwear, just like, I like I'm not going to describe it because that's weird, but I remember exactly what my underwear were. I remember exactly what my pants were. It's this idea that I have such a problem with where you have to bend down in front of people and like grab your pants from around your ankles and pull them back up to your waist. Like the act of doing that is so dehumanizing and so humiliating that it still like, it still upsets me just to talk about because the fact that a person would do that to another person in front of so many people, but to do it at all, it is the reason. I don't know if I told this story because Katie and I do talk about stuff like this a lot, but 
It is the reason I do not wear sweatpants in public, but I do wear them at home every once in a while. But if I go outside, like, I have to be in jeans or leggings or something that's not so easy to just pull down because it was so humiliating. And that kind of thing, just for whatever reason, I don't know if I, like, brought it on, but that kind of stuff just happened to me pretty frequently in high school to the point where I was just like a really embarrassed person and I was I was so scared all the time to be embarrassed and like when you slowly become that way I feel like that is what created by the time I got to college I was just riddled with anxiety like I was I just had convinced myself that everyone was out to get me everyone wanted to watch me fail everyone wanted to embarrass me and so when I walked into a room I was already on eggshells I was already where is the exit door how can I get out of this if I have to? And that's just not a fun way to be. Like, it's not an enjoyable way to exist in this world. And it's not fair. Like, you don't get to ever walk into a room and just immediately have fun. I'm still this way. I'm not nearly as bad. Like, I don't walk into a room anxious anymore, but I do walk into a room expecting something to happen. I don't ever, like, go to a wedding or go to anywhere, even at my own sister's wedding. Like, I was the exact same way. And yeah, it just, it it sucks. And even to get things a lot more personal, and I had no intentions of talking about this, but for the sake of a more recent example or scenario, I am now in a relationship with someone that I love dearly, and he is so patient with me. And like I was saying earlier, he helps me with this so much, but he doesn't really understand why I'm not like an affectionate person. I'm really not that warm of a person. Like even my friends know I'm not like a very huggy, I need to, you know, loop arms with you or hold your hand kind of best friend. Like it's just not the way that I am. And I know that it's because my mother is relatively that way, but it is also because of these things. Like I trust Lee with my life, but it's still all of these things that have added up and, and the social anxiety that it has created has made me just blocked off as a person when it comes to physically getting too close to them or certain conversations that I'm worried can go towards something that could embarrass me. I don't know if I'm making an ounce of sense. I also feel like I say this every week, but it is quite literally uh, affecting my current relationship. And it's like something I have to really challenge myself and work on. And Lee is wonderful about it. He's incredibly patient, but that is something that I am, I've literally been like consumed with these thoughts the last few days because I know that I'm not like giving him exactly what he needs in a relationship. Like, you know, like people in relationships want to cuddle and they want to do these things. And like a lot of times I can do that. And then for no reason at all, some days I'm just very closed off and I just am kind of cold, not with my words or my behavior, but just with my like physical body. I just like, Like, I'm not touchy. I'm not, I don't really want to hug. I don't really want to touch you. I'll sit on the opposite side of the couch. And I'm not just that way with Lee. Like, I've always been that way. And I, I really do attribute it to these things and these stories that I have. Like I was saying, like the pantsing thing, Lord, I mean, things like that happened constantly in high school. I don't know if it was my high school or if we've all gone through this, but like, it was not fun. <laughs> like, there's not been a day since the day I graduated where I wished I could go back to high school. Not my time of life to thrive. 
drive. But look at me now. I get to live in a van and travel, so joke is on them. So anyways, I kind of want to go into how I discovered the fact that I even had social anxiety because until I graduated college, all of college, I was just like, I am the most awkward person. Why can I not have a conversation with anyone? Why am I so uncomfortable? Like, I just really thought I was weird. And the people don't really think that a label would make a difference, but it does because it gives you validation and it gives you something just to Google. Like, now... If, you know, I, I really needed help and I didn't have Katie, thank God I do, but if I didn't have her, I, I would have something to look up. And I know that that, that might not be important to you, but like, it, it was so important learning that I had this versus me just beating myself up about being weird and awkward and not getting, not, I, I get along with most people, but like, not, fitting in the way I wanted with as many people as I wanted to. And so I was watching a YouTube video one day, and I don't remember what the title of it was, but there's a guy from Indianapolis, which is where I'm from. His name is Peter Mon, and he is like a YouTube drama channel. Like if the all of these 18 and 19 year olds are YouTube stars, and he is like in his 50s, And he just sits on his couch every single day and talks about random YouTube star drama from people who are half his age. But he makes me laugh so hard. And so I was watching one of his videos one day and he starts talking about how he has social anxiety. And I had only heard of anxiety and I knew that I was like kind of an anxious person, but I had never been diagnosed with anything. I'd never gone to therapy before. Like that was only for people who suffered like schizophrenia to me. And it's not because I wasn't open-minded. It was just, I was not sheltered either, but kind of sheltered. You know, growing up in the Midwest, it just wasn't really talked about a whole lot. Like, therapy isn't a bad thing, but it's also not something that people just need. And now I know at 24 years old, like, I think everyone needs therapy. It doesn't matter what you're going through or who you are. And I know it's expensive, so a lot of people can't afford it, but it, it definitely doesn't deserve in any way the stigma that is around it. I think every human being on the planet could benefit from going. So he's talking about social anxiety and exactly what it is. He reads a definition off of his phone and it was like the biggest aha moment I have ever had in my life. As he was talking, I had tears in my eyes and I was like, oh my god. Like, I actually have a thing that I can look up, I can work on, I can challenge myself, and there's other people who have experienced these thoughts. Like, when you have these thoughts that are just completely trapped in your brain, and you, they're they're beating you up every single day, it is a really negative feeling, and I do think it could, like, lead to and cause depression. I know that it did that for me in college, but learning that I had social anxiety and then going to therapy and talking to a therapist about it was like the most eye-opening experience of my life. And then meeting Katie is what changed that. Like I got to learn about it. And then, I mean, it was really like God was kind of finally giving me this like hand of like, okay, here you go. This is what you have. And then the next card here, here's the best friend who's going to fix it. (laughs) Like, Katie uh, sat down with me one day and we were drinking wine and we were probably like a bottle in, honestly. This is when things just get really real with your best friends, you know? And we were parked next to each other at a fire ring and she was like, Sydney, this is exactly what I had and this is exactly how I fixed it. So I was telling her about the fact that it was 
not just hard, it was impossible for me to talk to the camera. I hadn't taken a selfie in years. And, you know, I had set up a tripod. I don't know why this is different, by the way, but I could set up a tripod and take 30 pictures, you know, choose one, edit one, no problem. It was almost like kind of removing myself from that situation. But when you're holding a phone at your face and you're seeing your face while you're doing it, it, there's something that was so alarming to me about that. And I like, I just didn't do it for years. So I was telling her, I, I cannot talk to the camera. And I feel like that's what people who follow me on Instagram are eventually going to want. I've never done that before. And I don't know how I'm going to force myself to do it. And Katie was like, you know what you need to do every single day you need to take a photo of yourself, like a selfie. You need to put the front-facing camera on and take a picture of yourself and do it with no makeup, with makeup, whatever you're wearing in the moment. Whenever you remember that day to do it, just take the picture. Don't post it. Don't delete it. Just take the picture and keep it in your camera roll and do it every day. And so that's exactly what I did. She told me um, to start talking to the camera, recording, but don't ever do anything with the video. Don't delete the video because then, you know, it, it does something to your mentality, I think. But don't delete the video, but keep it. But just talk to the camera for 30 seconds and just do that. And just don't do anything with it. Don't post it. Tell yourself beforehand that you're not going to post it. And she told me one day maybe you'll post one. Like, do it every day, and then just maybe one day you will post one. So, a couple of weeks go by, and I was doing it, and it, it was genuinely working. It was making me more comfortable. And then a company called or, you know, emailed me, and they said, we would like to pay you to do a story ad. We don't want to do a post, a static post. We want you to do an Instagram story, and we'll pay you. And I'm going to have a whole episode on Instagram and, like, algorithms and how much I get paid, at least. I think that, that people would find it very, like, honest and interesting. I hope that you would. So I will get into that, like, later. But this first company ever who had reached out to me and offered, like, actual money and not just free product, and it was a company that I really believed in and I stood behind, and they said, you know, but we, you have to talk to the camera. That's part of this deal. And I said, I agreed to it, but it wasn't for like three weeks. So I had like three weeks to prepare. I could convince myself to do it. And so I just agreed knowing that in the next three weeks, I have to get comfortable doing this. And so this, guys, by the way, this was a handful of months ago. This I'm not talking like two or three years ago. This was five months ago, maybe, maybe six months ago. Um, this was right around the time that I met Lee. And yeah, so it was probably six or seven months ago, actually. So every single day for those three weeks, I start talking to the camera. And then I told myself, I was like, you can't make your first time ever talking to the camera and ad. like how awful and cheesy does that look? And so, you know, maybe a week before that, I started the podcast and I swear to God, I got the balls to start this podcast because I knew I was going to have to start and I was going to have to do this ad. I was going to have to start talking to the camera and I needed to practice and come up with a way where I could get used to just talking. And the podcast is really what helped me with that. So I did the first episode of the podcast. I, I talked to the camera one day and I posted it and it wasn't the ad. It was like a week before that. 
And then the, the week of the ad came up and I posted it and it was the second time I had ever done that. The first time I ever talked on my story was to share what the first episode was all about of the podcast because I knew I wanted to kind of interest people and I had never talked to the camera before. So I thought it might grab people's attention. And that's exactly how all of that kind of worked for me. And like in that time, my social anxiety was really focused on Instagram. And I know that, you know, we all have our things. And for whatever reason, that was just my thing. So I know a lot of people kind of roll their eyes and it's a very millennial lifestyle, but it really made me nervous. I felt like I had just woken up one day and I had people following me. I had you guys messaging me and like really caring about me in a way that no one besides my immediate family had ever cared. And suddenly I just felt a lot of pressure and which is ridiculous now. And I don't feel that way anymore. It's I, I do some days, but very few. But when I, at the time, would go to just post a photo, like, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, people are going to be like, you're a freaking idiot, Sydney. But when I would go to post a photo, I would be sweating. I would be shaking. It was a huge deal for me to post. And that is why I, I would only post once a week because I couldn't mentally handle that feeling several days a week. And so now you know, I still don't post as much as I probably should, but it's because of life. I would get so nervous and I would be like, people are going to hate it. They're going to judge me. Like for no reason, no one ever did that. I didn't, I've never since the beginning of Instagram had like an influx of hate comments. I've probably had three to five my entire life. And, but for whatever reason, I just assumed people were going to come at me or attack me for no reason all the time. And I realized the only way, and Katie kind of facilitating this, to get through that and move through it was to just post and was to just, like, close my eyes, hit the share button, and just call it a day. Like, put my phone down for an hour, not worry about how the picture's doing or what people are saying, and you just have to keep, like, trying. Whatever your anxiety is focused on, you just have to do it. Like, Whatever it is that's making you anxious, and I know that's the worst possible answer, but it's the only answer. You have no choice but to close your eyes and push through it and do it. Like, it is the only way that you will not be anxious. There's not going to be anything that comes into your life and suddenly makes it so much easier unless you meet Katie. <laughs> um, there's not going to be a, a, another way around it or a different way through. It is facing it and like just doing it. Like for anyone who is looking for excuses or ways around being nervous about van life, if you are waiting to not be nervous about van life, you will never live in a van. Like no one who lives in a van just never feels that feeling, right? Like we all got a little nervous. I, I think I was probably a pretty rare bird in that because for some reason I was like real confident that living in a van was in some way going to work. But I've never met someone who moved into a van and was like, no, I couldn't care less. Like every all of us were a little nervous some way more than others. And if that's what's like holding you back and, and you think, you know, something is going to come your way that will make things better, 
it's probably not going to happen and you're going to be waiting way too long. And by the time you do it, if you do it, you're just going to feel like you wasted time. So, I mean, honestly, my best advice is to just kind of jump in and go for it, whether it's a promotion or living in a van or whatever you can apply to your life. We're all wanting to kind of level up in some way, right? Like that's just who we are as humans. We always want to improve or do something. So whatever you are working towards, you really just have to go for it and, and, jump into a uh, full force. Once I moved into the van, that is when a lot of my self-growth actually happened. So I'm like beyond thankful that I didn't wait until I felt ready to live in the van because it was living in this space by myself and traveling by myself and challenging myself in that way that ever pushed me through those things and like really got me through it. It was by actually having done it. You know, the ways that van life specifically has helped dramatically actually my my uh social anxiety is the fact that like you can just convince yourself all the time that I'll never see this person again. I'll never see this person again. You walk into a store and like you never have this overwhelming pressure because no one in there knows you. You don't know anyone and you'll never see any of them again. And if something happens, you can leave as fast as you came. Like you can just jump back in your van and head out. Not that anything is ever going to happen, but that's what social anxiety does to our brains. It always tells us that like something bad will probably happen. So, I mean, that's what I would tell myself all the time. And I would have these really short conversations with people. I told you last week about going into the grocery store and like that one memory of just not being able to physically tell this woman where I got my shirt, which is absurd, (laughs) but I was like sweating and I could not handle this question. And so I just practiced. I would go to the dog park and just strike up two minute conversation. I would know exactly how I was going to get out of it. Like, okay, I'll come up with this excuse. I will have Ella's leash ready. I will have treats ready. Like that way we can just leave. And doing that over and over and over up to 20 times a day, because, you know, you come to a place like San Diego and everybody just wants to talk to you. So like, you kind of have no choice. You know, I I would just mingle here and there and have conversations with so many different people, whether it was a two minute conversation or turn into an hour long conversation. I could fully be the judge of how long I wanted this conversation to go, where I wanted it to go, and I could leave as soon as I wanted to leave. And, you know, you don't just leave and get in your car. I get to leave and come to my safe space. I get to come to my home. I get to come back to my dogs if they're not with me. And, you know, if I can give any advice, good grief, get a dog if you have anxiety and you're looking for ways and you financially and mentally can take care of the dog. If you've been considering it in any way, I cannot tell you the amount of times in one single 24-hour period that I reach over for my dogs just to pet them. Not because I want to love on them, I also do that, but just to give my hands like something to do. Like if I'm nervous, if I'm shaky, if I'm anxious, I can just reach over and like pet my dogs. And it is the most calming thing. That is why dogs are therapeutic and just existing. And so like having Ella and now having Pearl, it helps so much with all of this. But, you know, van life, it really opened my eyes and changed it always sounds so dramatic to say it changed my life, but like it changed my life because it allowed me to work at a pace with my anxiety 
that I was comfortable working with. It wasn't at the control of anyone else. And I think when you have anxiety, like that's really the only way that you can kind of fix it is feeling like you're finally in control of something. And that is how I felt. I would, you know, like my tire blew out on the side of a highway and it was like a five lane highway. And I, I had to fix that. I had to figure out what my best option was to call someone to fix it myself. And it's like going through and handling so many things that could be big or could be small, it it just teaches you how in control of yourself you can be. And doing that over and over and over every single day is the only thing that ever got me through to the other side. And I am in no way implying that I am over this. I'm not saying that I don't have a lot of days where I still feel it. I'm actually realizing right now that I never told the story at the beginning of why my week got so anxious <laughs> this week. Okay, well, we'll close out on this fun story only because I said I was going to talk about it. So no, I, I really have no choice. And it's why this week was probably the most anxious I have been in a really long time. And that's also one reason why I was pushing off the podcast. But I spent like a day and a half packing the van, cleaning the van, getting it fully ready to kind of move back in. I had been at Lee's house for a week or two in Tahoe, and I just wanted to get everything perfectly ready to move, to come back in, go to San Diego for a little bit. And I had just finished packing everything up. I was 100% ready. I was ready to hit the road. It was like 10 a.m. and I had been, you know, doing stuff all morning, laundry, dishes, just like making sure everything was 10 out of 10 ready. And I got the dogs in the car. I make sure I have everything I need. I say goodbye to Lee. I say goodbye to one by one to all the dogs. If you don't know, together we have 12 dogs. I always say that like it's six and six, but he has 10 and I have two. (laughs) But I said goodbye to everybody that I wasn't bringing. And as soon as I got on the highway, so I had probably been out of the house for like 10 minutes, I got stuck. Like they had plowed the highway and then immediately they just hadn't. Like it was almost just like this wall of snow. But the first few feet of it were it was only maybe three or four inches. And me being the stubborn, independent person that I am, I didn't want to call anyone. I didn't want to have to take care of a situation. I was just like keeping my fingers crossed that I could just get through this. And um, I couldn't, long story short. And so I'm just sitting in my car stuck. I couldn't go, I couldn't drive. I couldn't reverse. I'm just literally in my van stuck. The dogs are just staring at me like, what is going on? And I hadn't cried or like, had an emotional release in a little too long. Like, I'm the type of person that after about three to six months, like, a big release is coming in some way. And it had been, it's probably been three or four months since I really got a lot of emotional energy out of my body. And so I I get stuck and I'm sitting there and I have to call my mom because I just got new insurance and I wasn't sure if I had the right insurance information for my previous policy or my newer policy. And since she's at home, I knew she could figure it out if I couldn't. And so talking to my mom, I'm like starting to cry because I was just really frustrated. I didn't know if I was going to get to leave that day anymore. And I had just been so prepared for this trip. So I'm like starting to cry with her, but it wasn't a huge deal. And then I call Lee to tell him what's going on, but that I'm going to have to call a tow truck and just like wench me out of the situation. And when I was talking to him, I like really kind of started to lose it. And then as I'm talking to 
my insurance trying to get roadside assistance. My God, I feel bad for this woman. I just am sobbing on the phone. And I'm telling you, I wasn't actually that upset about getting stuck. I just needed to cry. And like, this was the first thing that kind of gave me an excuse to cry for a while. And so I'm just like sobbing on the phone to this poor lady who's like, it's going to be fine. We're going to be there. It's okay. Like she probably felt like a 911 operator, like trying to like calm me down and take care of the situation. And so she's like, we'll send somebody out. You'll be taken care of. I was like, okay, thank you. I hang up the phone and I am weeping harder than I have in so long. Oh, Ella's joining us. Hi, babies. Hi. Okay. Ella and Pearl are on the bed now. <laughs> I had had them up front in the front seats, but they want to be on the comfortable bed, which I cannot blame them. So anyways, I am crying. Excuse you, Ella. So I'm crying in my van and um, this police officer comes up. I have no idea why. He had nothing to do with roadside assistance. And he was like, you know, how can I help? I felt so bad. Obviously, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm literally crying to like grown man police officer that I don't know. And I tell him what's going on. And he actually helped me get unstuck so that I didn't have to call or so I didn't have to actually have roadside assistance come. I ended up canceling. But the entire ordeal kind of still lasted um, a few hours, and that just meant I couldn't leave for San Diego that day because I really wanted to do the full nine-hour drive in one day. And as, like, little as this situation was, it was not the end of the world by any means. Far worse has happened and could have happened, but... It was enough to kind of like open things up and make me emotional. And so the following day, I ended up driving to San Diego. I did the full nine hour drive. And when I say I cried for nine hours, I mean, every person who drove by me probably was like, that person shouldn't be driving right now. (laughs) I'm the kind of cry where you can't breathe. You're like, (gasps) that was literally me for nine hours. I don't know what was wrong. I didn't have like one thought on my mind. I just felt like um, an emotional wreck. And, you know, that was two days in a row. And then the day before the whole getting stuck happened, like I had been feeling a little anxious. That's probably why I ended up, you know, getting emotional just in the first place from it. And then the day afterwards that I was like literally sobbing. It was just not a hard week because nothing happened. (laughs) It was just real emotional for what seems like absolutely no reason. Even telling this story now, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Wouldn't get it either. But that's what I was kind of dealing with this week. I was just an emotional mess for little to no reason. Um, But I do feel a hell of a lot better now. I might, or I I must admit, yeah, I I really do feel a lot better. That was a, a solid talk about social anxiety and how it has been for me and my life. If you have any experience with social anxiety or just anxiety in general, I would love a message from you. I I know that probably sounds cheesy, but like, I really do love it. I love reading your feelings and your stories and knowing that some of you relate to me in really deep, meaningful ways instead of just like, I want to live in a van too, which also that's great. But when someone is like, oh my gosh, I'm going through that exact thing, or I've been through that thing, it just really means a lot to me. It's it's heavy and it's deep. And um, it, it all just kind of makes those feelings feel a little bit lighter when you know that it's a common thing. So that is what we are going to do for one another. And I very much appreciate you all sitting with me during this time. Next week... 
I don't really know what I'm gonna talk about yet, but I'll figure it out and I will let you know. Thank you for being here. I love you so much and I will see you next week. Bye guys.